Play fake by Young. Right up and it's a touchdown. Alabama picking right up where it left off last year when they hammered Ohio State for the national championship. Cameron Watu, the touchdown. You're listening to BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Happy NFL season. It all begins tonight between the Cowboys and the Bucks. Well, we've been waiting around for the NFL to begin. We're a couple weeks into the college football season. Week one was a ton of fun, and we're treated to some fantastic matchups in week number two this weekend. There's even a game you might want to bet on tonight, maybe a side uh, side TV if uh, the NFL is going to be taking up the mainframe. Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, Aaron Hawksworth here on BetQL Daily. This is the BetQL Network, let's bring in Thor Nystrom, get his thoughts on week two in college football, big picture stuff as well. Find his work, NBC Sports Edge. Follow him on Twitter, at Thorku. Uh, Thor, let's start with some of the big picture stuff after the first full uh, week in college football. Title contenders. This is just the state of college football right now going in. The list is five, six at most. What was your biggest takeaway from any one of those top five, six teams from week one? Uh, I, Clemson looked brutal. Uh, the offensive line, I, I don't know, is going to be good enough uh, to compete for the national title. You know, I, like the, the rest of their games are not very good, the rest of the schedule, so I could absolutely see them running the table. But once they get to the playoffs, you know, I'm not sure about that. I, I, you know, and then the team on the other side, Georgia, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that they're good enough to, to run the table once they get to the playoff either. Um, so, like, looking at those – Alabama, they they look like the team to beat right now, uh, obviously. And then, you know, I, I think, like, my preseason team to, to win it was Oklahoma. They, they struggled a little bit with Tulane. I'm sticking with that pick. Um, they'd be my favorite bet on the board right now for the, the national title team. I think they dropped a little bit, plus 800, plus 900, something like that right now. But um, that, that'd be sort of the way I, I would handicap the top I believe of the board we lost right now. for a minute there. We'll try to, uh, try to reconnect. Boy, I, I'm glad he was getting there because, Joe G, that's been something that's been rattling around through my brain, and I, I want to hear him uh, expand on that. But, uh, Thor, are you back with us? Yeah, okay. yeah, I can hear you guys. Yeah, no, I, it's – yes, absolutely. Uh, I want you to keep going on Oklahoma because I, I think you were – when everybody was screaming, oh, same old Sooners, they still can't play any defense – they win the game. Uh, they gave up way too many points, way too many yards. But like all all over the place, their odds dropped. I see them twelve to one right now at Fanduel after one win. Yeah, I, I would take that in a second. I, I would take it at nine to one. I would take it at eight to one. You know, I like I, I think in the preseason it was like seven to one. I, I you know I I took it there. Um, you know, this the one game at Tulane. I I don't really care about that. You know, I'm like you see good teams scuffle sometimes against you know the lesser teams. They, they got the win. That's all I really care about. And I was talking about how, you know, I, I think I cut off there, but the rest of Clemson's schedule is, is pretty poor. It's the same thing for Oklahoma. You know, like, they, obviously they play Iowa State. They have a road game against Oklahoma State. The, the Oklahoma State road game, that's the only hard road game that Oklahoma has on their entire schedule. They also have a neutral against Texas. Those three games I just mentioned are the only three, quote-unquote, tough games left on Oklahoma's schedule. And, you know, and then you have the Big 12 title game. The rest of them are pretty easy. So, like Oklahoma has a has a schedule that that lines up for you know for a run at at the playoff. And then the other thing is top three offense, probably a top fifteen defense, and then a top twenty special teams unit. I mean, you, you have the recipe for for a national title team there, in my opinion. 
Thor, when you watched Clemson, Georgia, did it say more about Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, DJ trying to take over, some growing pains they're going to have, or did it say more about just how good, how deep Georgia's defensive front and their defense as a whole is? I would say um, some of, some of the latter, and then the other thing, just um, the other thing that was sort of had me scratching my head was was the issues that Clemson has had stocking their offensive line over the last couple of years. You know, a, a part of it manifested last year, and and you saw this in the advanced stats with Travis Etienne's rushing yards, where if you looked at him running behind Jackson Carmen, it was like two yards uh, per carry better than it was running to the other side of the line, and so like you you could see these issues manifesting there. And then it was like, uh oh, what happens when you take Jackson Carmen away? And we started to see what that yes, you know, or not yesterday, last week, uh, the, the whole line was, you know, sort of imploding. And so the, the rest of the season, that that's what I'm curious to see. Like, you know, there was already the fissures and the cracks along that, and then you take away the best player. And by the way, it's not like Jackson Carmen is like, you know, is like some you know god of a prospect or anything. It was just the the rest of their players were subpar. You know, and before you know before Jackson Carmen. They've had issues getting guys drafted near the top of the the draft, right? Like, you know, when they had guys that went to the NFL, it was like undrafted guys or guys that got taken at the end of day three. They, they've done a really good job recruiting most positions, obviously, but the offensive line has been the one bugaboo there. And this year, if one thing comes and, and bites them and prevents them from making the playoff, it's going to be the offensive line. With Thor Nystrom, NBC Sports Edge. Follow him on Twitter at ThorQ. This is BetQL Daily. Uh, we'll get to this Week 2 card in a moment, but uh, Heisman Trophy. Was was there a player or two that you thought uh, you felt really came onto the scene that if they continue to perform like this, their team might be in the mix at the very end? They're a legit contender. Well, I mean, I think Bryce Young was the big story. And, you know, I think there's been some overreaction in the market, you know, because he became just the ridiculous prohibitive favorite after week one. You know, I don't know what he's up to now, plus 300, plus 250, something like that. But for me, that that's mm-hmm. just a ludicrous overreaction to week one. Um, for me, the, the bet is still Spencer Rattler. It was before the season. It is now as well. You know, obviously, I, I mentioned that, that Oklahoma is my title pick. So that, that just sort of goes in line with that. But um, you know, it's another thing where, you know, because of a little bit of the struggles in week one, I think you can get that at a little bit of a discount. That's where my bet would be, you know, on, on you know, on the card right now. Is uh, just quick follow up is is that the real Jack Cohn or was that about the weak defense he was going against? I, I think I think I think it's a little bit of little bit of both. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't expect Jack Cohn to be a stud the rest of the year. Notre Dame has some issues on the offensive line as well. They, they had a, a left tackle injury, and, and you saw Cone get Cone, – Cone played well. He, he played really well. You know, I, t- I tip my hat to, hat to the kid. But he did get sacked four times, and that left tackle is still injured. So I, I think Notre Dame's offensive line issues are going to linger here a little bit. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure that, that Jack Cone is you – know, once they start playing the, the better defenses, I'm not sure that, that he is going to acquit himself as well as he did against Florida State's defense, which has scuffled a bit here in the last couple of years. Thor, watching UCLA take apart LSU was was eye opening, and it was, it was impressive. They they just were better up front, and that that very rarely happens with a an SEC team against a Pac-12 team. Um, how would you bet UCLA now? Do you buy into what we're seeing these first two weeks? And and really, I, I, the big question is: Is Chip Kelly back? Yes, yes, and yes. Yeah, I mean UCLA was one of my favorite overs this offseason, and and the only thing, so I think their number was seven. And the only the only slight trepidation there was that they were playing like the Phil Steele like number twelve uh, preseason schedule, 
But, like, the, you know, it still seemed to line up well, you know, if, if you looked at, like, the experience coming back, et cetera. And, you know, now everyone's heard the announcers and talking about, like, all the seniors they're starting, et cetera. Getting through LSU, it, it seems like now that's a lock that, that they're going to go over. And, I mean, now they look like a legitimate Pac-12 uh, title contender. It, it, it's, it's basically at every position. And you, you heard during the, the LSU game, you know, the announcers talking about how UCLA looked like more of the SEC team than, than LSU did. They have athletes at almost every single position. They're deep at almost every single position. They have ex- experience at every single position. They're, they're deep in the trenches. They're good in the trenches. They have ridiculous athleticism, um, you know, both in the backfield and outside. I, like, you, you just look around at every single position. I, I mean, it, it's shocking, I think, for people on the outside because, you know, Chip Kelly was, you know, whatever it is, t- you know, 10 and 25 or 10 and 28 or whatever the first his first couple seasons there. But they were building for this. They, they were building for this season. And, you know, like, they've had that breakthrough. And I, I don't think that there is any, um, you know, like, I don't think that it's a fluke. Um, you know, like, all those guys became seniors. Then, then you had – it's not just Charbonnet, right? Like, everyone talks about Charbonnet as the big offseason import, and he was huge. Um, but they also had a bunch of them on defense, and that was just as important. Um, you know, they had the guys that, you know, that were a year older, et cetera. But then Kelly had these, you know, these few specific holes, and he also got defensive starters to plug those holes. So he, he just did a really, really smart, uh, you know, thing over this, this offseason. Um, and then over the, these last couple of years, just building up towards now. I think they're for real, um, and I think they're one of the best couple teams in the Pac-12 for sure. Uh, Thor, early game for Oregon. They're in that 11 a.m. Central slot at the Ohio State Buckeyes. A little extra rest for the Buckeyes. Uh, Ohio State favored by 14.5, total of 63.5. How do you handicap this matchup? It's, that one's probably going to be a stay away for me because Kayvon Thibodeau is injured, um, and I don't think he's going to play. At least that's the way that the tea leaves are looking. I, I've seen some reports. Um, Oregon's being really um, – like they're not talking about it, you know. It's like really hush hush. But the reports that you're reading out of there, it's looking like super doubtful that that he's going to play. They could be in some trouble if if he's not. Like the 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 path for Oregon upsetting Ohio State, it seemed to be getting in C.J. Stroud's head. Like when when Ohio State was struggling with Minnesota, um, it was at the start of that game, and it was because C.J. Stroud was sort of scuffling. Um, he, he was making some okay decisions, I thought. It was just that his accuracy wasn't there. And if we can get him to speed up, you know, speed up his, his, his mental processing and stuff like that, and the accuracy isn't going to be there anyway, um, now we could start to maybe, you know, force some turnovers, et cetera. Um, but with, without Kayvon Thibodeau, I'm not sure that, that Oregon can play him in the same way. And, and Stroud started to get a little bit more comfortable in the second half. He obviously has the mobility um, and the ball shoots out of his hand a little bit, too. If, if he can get comfortable against that Oregon uh, uh, defense, and they're already going to have the running game. Like, you saw the, the yards uh, per play that Ohio State started to average there in the second half against Minnesota. Um, that's where I start to get concerned uh, for Oregon. So it, it's a stay away for me just because that's nudged over the 14-and-a-half and just because the, the uh, Thibodeau's uh, status is, you know, people are pessimistic about it right now. Um, I, I might lean towards Ohio State just because um, – just because of the Thibodeau thing, but for me, I, I just can't bet it at that number. Iowa, Iowa State, number 10 versus number 9. It's a gigantic game this weekend, and every year it's like, oh, Matt Campbell, Iowa State, great program, and every year they can't beat Iowa. Is this year different? Can they finally beat their in-state rivals? Uh, maybe, maybe, but, I mean, at, at four and a half points, I'm definitely on Iowa. Um, you know, like, I, I was talking about this yeah. all summer because, you know, the number was like, it was six for a little bit. I mean, it was it was at seven for for there for a brief second. Then it was at six, five and a half, five. 
Um, I, I think now it's, it's at more like four and a half or four. Um, but I, I'd still be on Iowa at, at that. You look back at the Cyhawk like the last 20 years, um, Iowa State just does not beat Iowa by more than a field goal. Um, they've won a couple of them, but they do not win by margin. Um, and, and, you know, like the, the perception of this, you know, especially coming into this season was like Iowa State is significantly better or, or significantly more talented than, than Iowa. That was the narrative that I disagreed with. Um, you know, I, like I thought that Iowa was super underrated. And the reason they were underrated was because last year they go six and two. But the, first, the, the two losses were the first two games. They lose by five points combined. It was these two games that they had won. It was against Northwestern and Purdue. They lost these games that they had won at the very end. So people kind of lost track of them. The, the last six games, they won five of the six by 14 or more points, four of the six by 20 or more points, and pretty, pretty decent programs that they were beating up on, Wisconsin, Penn State, you know, teams like that, Minnesota. Um, and so, like, they were playing really good ball, and they have a bunch of good players back. You know, Tyler Goodson's one of the best running backs in the nation. Tyler Landerbaum's the best interior lineman in the nation. And they have a nasty, nasty defense. Seven starters back. And then two of the guys that, that are not counted in that, uh, this middle linebacker that 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 um, he only played in one game last year, but he was Bruce Feldman's number one breakout player in one of those lists he does over the summer. This kid was supposed mm-hmm. to be a starter last year, but he had uh, mono or something before the season, and so he, he didn't end up playing. But he was just beasting people in practice. So so he's you know he's going to be a stud. He, you know he he's back. And then they got a um, a transfer from Northern Illinois or Northern Iowa. I'm sorry for the secondary, who was one of the FCS's best players last year, and they have four starters back in the secondary anyway. So. Iowa has one of the nation's best secondaries. A lot of people talk about those skill guys that Iowa State has back, and they certainly have a lot of talent back. But for me, these two teams are very, very similar. This is a bitterly contested rivalry game. You know, like this is one of the great rivalries in the, in the Midwest. The, the games are, are invariably close unless it's Iowa beating the snot out of Iowa State. It doesn't happen where Iowa State beats the snot out of, out of Iowa. So I was surprised that that line was, was juiced as high as it was all summer. At four and a half, I, again, I'm, I'm definitely taking Iowa. I think that line should be a field goal or less. Thor, any other games that you love this weekend with the Week 2 card? Feel free to rattle off a few. Yeah, I like I like Toledo plus all the points they're getting. You know, it's like 17 and a half or something. Um, you know, Notre Dame has has some injuries. Uh, you know that that you know I mentioned that, that the left tackle was out. They also have three linebacker injuries, and they had some they had some issues stopping the Florida State uh, running game. Florida State was just running all over them. Um, I think Toledo is going to be able to run on on Notre Dame as well. I'm, I'm taking those points plus my system, which doesn't even count these injuries in it thinks that line should be more like Notre Dame minus eight, and, it, and it's, it's Notre Dame minus 17 and wow. a half. Uh, that's one of them. I, I like NC State minus two and a half. Um, I, you know, I, I think they should be more like minus four and a half, something like that against Mississippi State. I like South Carolina minus two and a half against East Carolina. Vegas likes East Carolina for some reason. They, they had a weird line last week against Appalachian State, too, which was closer than I thought it should have been in Appalachian State, you know, beaten by double digits. Th- those are just a couple that I, I, I like as well. Terrific. Thor Nystrom, NBC Sports Edge, at Thorku on Twitter. Make sure you're following him. Thor, we appreciate the time. Hope to uh, visit again sometime soon, all right? Hey, thanks so much, guys. Have a good weekend. That's some good stuff there from Thor, Oklahoma. Yeah, I agree with him. I don't think that much changed in one week. Like, they're getting pumped up, but now there's a lot of value. They're number double, and they didn't lose a game. So Yeah, one big be... overreaction. Big overreaction. Yeah, huge. Crazy. Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, Aaron Hawksworth. This is BetQL Daily coming up next with the start of the NFL season this evening. Let's talk teasers. Keep it locked on BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook.